Peru and everything. I mean, he leaves here single and comes back with a wife and a kid. I mean, you know, that'll, that'll change your voice, won't it? <laughs> anyway, we're thank you, Noel, so much. We appreciate it. Uh, today, we're blessed to have someone in Bart's absence, a good friend of the church, Dan Baracco. Uh, Andre has already mentioned that. Uh, some of you may not be familiar with Dan or the church that he comes from up in Missouri, Columbia, Missouri. It's Christian Fellowship Church, but that church has been a friend to this church from the beginning. Not only Dan, but the other pastors and members on staff. We've had people go together on mission trips, so uh, they have been in the background advising and praying with elders and praying for this church for many, many years. And I know there's a lot of you that are new, but I'm just curious if you've never heard Dan Baracco preach from this pulpit, raise your hand. That's a pretty good. Yeah. So, so you can you can repeat a sermon, Dan. <laughs> I plan on it. Yeah, come on up. I'm going to pray for Dan. Then good. we'll be dismissing the children. Father, we thank you for Dan. We thank you for his heart, for ministry, for the kingdom, for the United States, for this church. We thank you for his friendship and advice. We just bless him right now in the name of mm-hmm. Jesus. And we just pray that the power of your spirit would fall upon him and would minister through him today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At this time, all, all the kids, sixth grade and below, are dismissed to go down to their time below. Can I put this down here? Is this holy or something? Is this okay? Well, it's good to be here. Some of you I know, many of you I know, and some of you that I've, I'm seeing for the first time. Um, again, as uh, Larry has said, I've been a friend of this church for um, probably 18 years or so. And, uh, and Bart um, and his brother actually knew uh, Brian. Well, let's not talk about that. Um, but it's a privilege to be here. Um, uh, Bart and... There are five of us to get together every year, and we go off and we pray for a week. We go to Colorado and spend time in prayer, and, and that's been a real uh, blessing. Um, and to know their family, especially Kathy, she's a lot nicer than Bart, um, and their, their kids. Um, one of the reasons I'm here, as he mentioned, was to help as his time was away. The other, another reason is that I'm not a runner. And, I don't, I don't do iron people, uh, and, um, and all my kids are married, so that's the other reason that I'm here. But I, I believe when, I, um, when the opportunity came, I, I believe God put something in my heart for us today, and um, I want to share that with us um, and to see what God will what do uh, as we spend this time together. So turn with me, if you would, in the Gospel of John, chapter 10. I didn't uh, do my PowerPoint the way I was supposed to, so if any of you want to tell on me after I leave, that's, that's okay. I won't be here to have the wrath of Bart. But uh, I want to talk to us this morning on um, the Good Shepherd forward slash God's goodness. The good shepherd, and I'll start reading in John chapter 10. Um, 
starting to read with verse, <clears throat> with verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I will bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. And just flip over into the middle of the Old Testament, a very familiar portion of Scripture found in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Lord, um, thank you for waking up to goodness and mercy this morning. Thank you that your mercy keeps chasing us down and shows us your gracious hand as was spoken to us in worship by song and the word that was given. You, you chase us down with your goodness and your mercy. Would you do a miracle in us this morning? Would you, uh, would you reveal yourself in a way that goes beyond what we know? And may your name be exalted and you be lifted high. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I appreciate the new styles we have where you can wear your shirt out. Um, I take heart medicine, which is dark chocolate. Uh, it's very good for you. It has hazelnuts, and sometimes I take a little much too much dark chocolate, so the sides sometimes can show. So this is a good, I, I like this style. I don't know how long it will work, but... <clears throat> we don't know much about shepherds. Uh, we don't understand what a good shepherd means or a bad one, except that which we read in the scripture. When Jesus said he was a good shepherd, he was speaking of those that were hirelings that wouldn't give their, their heart for the sheep and their lives for the sheep. You know, you, you, you see these pictures of Jesus where he would have this lamb on his shoulders and he, he's kind of walking around with a flowing white robe and not very dirty and, and um, he... That's not what the picture of the shepherd. You don't, the shepherd wasn't filled by a local temp agency. Um, you, you gave your life for the sheep. You, today, we don't, 
you don't open up Craigslist and says Shepherd wanted. It's just not something we really understand in our in our knowledge today. Um, when a when a when a shepherd would shepherd sheep and he would put them in green pastures, there would be other shepherds there shepherding their flocks, and they would. They would all be mingling together, but when the shepherd would begin to walk off and begin to lead the sheep over, those sheep knew their shepherd, and when he would, they would see the shepherd walking away, they would follow their shepherd. Those who didn't know he was leaving and then kind of catch their, their, the, the realizing that other sheep were going or they didn't recognize this, the shepherd actually named each one of the sheep. And when he would call them by name, they would then hear the voice of the shepherd and then they would follow not only the other uh, sheep, but the shepherd who called called the voice, from his voice, the sheep's name. Normally they they could shepherd about 200 sheep. The shepherd would lay down with the sheep at night and oftentimes they would find a secluded place and they would be in a horseshoe shape, kind of like what we have here with maybe rocks and brush behind it. And then there would, they would, uh, would come to a horseshoe shape and then there would be an, an, a door. And the shepherd would actually lay at that door. Early in this chapter, where in, in, in this uh, John chapter 10, he, he, Jesus saying, I am the door. It's the, he is the door that would guard literally guard the sheep. And so nothing would attack the sheep that would have to go through that shepherd. Psalm 23 sums up a, a bit of what the, what the shepherd was about, how he would give his life for the sheep. He wasn't a hireling, but would literally lay down his life, not only in front of the door, but lay down his life for the sheep. See, we're the sheep, He's the shepherd. We've got to come get a grips on that every once in a while. We think we can run things, and it's kind of like Jesus says, follow me. It's not like yeah, he, he actually said that, follow me. He didn't say, hey, you lead for a while, and then I'll lead for a while. We'll see how it works. He, he's the one that's leading us. He's the one who is in charge. Sheep easily get lost. They, they're not very bright. I make a great sheep. Uh, uh, they, they, they're, they're always getting into problems. They're always getting into uh, trouble. They, they oftentimes literally lose their way. John chapter 10 verse 14 says that, I, I know my own and my own know me. See, it's like you were... Before you were converted, you were just milling around with a bunch of lost sheep. And then the shepherd spoke your name. You, it might have been in a worship service. It might have been with somebody over coffee. You may have, it may have been over a tragic situation that you were involved in. And, and you heard the gospel. God opened up your heart like he did with Lydia in Acts chapter 16. You heard the shepherd's voice, and you responded, you repented, and you started following him. He became your shepherd. Now, 
we're called to not only know about him, we're called to know him and really have an intimate fellowship. And when you heard his voice, you, you had to push your way maybe through sheep that weren't paying attention and you began to separate yourself from other things you used to do and you identified with Christ, you identified with God's people and you found a place like this to worship and you begin following the Lord. Now, the beautiful thing about the shepherd is he, is he knows what kind of a mess we are. He, he knows everything about us. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows every mistake we're going to make, whether, <clears throat> whether we do that as children, as teenagers, as older people, and he chooses to love us anyway. Now, we, we say, hey, that's great. I don't think we really get that. I don't get that. He loves me with an everlasting love. He, he doesn't love me more today than he did yesterday. He won't love me any more tomorrow than he does today. His love never changes. He is the shepherd that constantly is going after the sheep. And you know, when we, when we find ourselves um, just re- rejecting him or going a different way and and yet we belong to him, we'll hear his voice, and then we'll, in the depths of our soul, we just turn and we say, ah, that really is the way I need to go. When I had some of my heart medicine on the counter at home, um, it was nine ounces of wonderful heart medicine. You can only use a little chunk at a time. And my wife was home, my wife Audrey, and of course, I always get it, oh, Dan's here, but where's Audrey? Yeah, I get that a lot. Um, well, she was home, and she left to go to the dentist and left that chocolate on the countertop. And we have a, a, a lab dog, um, not a lap dog, a, lag, a, a lab who thinks it's a lap dog, and ate the whole nine ounces of dark chocolate, which is not good for a dog. So she comes home, finds the wrapper all over the place, and Macy, the dog, is just happy as can be, just, just happy. I said, that's not good. Because do- dog and, dogs and dark chocolate don't, don't mix. So I called the vet and I said, hey, we've got this issue here. And I told him what, what I just mentioned to you. And he said, this is, this is serious. He said, we've got to get the dog to get sick. I figured the dog would be sick, sick anyway, eating nine ounces of chocolate. He said, what you need to do is to take hydrogen peroxide and get the dog to drink that. Uh, so I, I, I'm on the phone with the vet, and, and, I, and I said, well, how, how, do you, how do I do that? He said, well, you just need three, about three tablespoons. Okay, how, how do I do that? He said, do you have a syringe? I said, yeah. He said, just, just put three tablespoons in that syringe, open the dog's mouth, stick the syringe down the dog's throat, and squeeze it. I said, sounds simple to me. This should be no problem. So I get Macy over, here's a 72-pound dog right there, and I open her mouth, and I put that in there, and you know, she's wondering, what, what are we doing here? And so I told her, we're putting hydrogen peroxide down your throat. So I squeeze that in there, and so, so she relaxed, and of course, you got to hold the dog's mouth closed so the dog will swallow. Had to do this three times. And so finally, at the end of it, she just is okay, did not like that. Did not like that. And she started going like this. Didn't like it. Do you ever 
feel that when God wants to correct you, you don't like it. You react, but then later on you'll feel better, like Macy did. Of course, she, when she started feeling better, it wasn't the best place of the house that she started <laughs> to feel better. Psalm 23 says, I will restore your soul. Just as it seems when things are unbearable, he gives us the promise of restoration of our soul. It's, it's, uh, God is in the midst of our suffering. God is in the midst of our pain. And there's a tension there between the, when the goodness of God and the suffering that goes on, and we wonder, how does that all work? Where is God's goodness in the midst of the suffering? The goodness of God is because of who God is, not just what we go through. In the last just five months, we've lost three family members in our extended family. In our church life, I've been involved in three funerals in the last six weeks. Painful, painful experiences. Where is the goodness of God in that? God doesn't change. He's there. The goodness of God is recognized by knowing who he is and seeing his face through the difficulties. Now, at our home church, back in Columbia, in Christian Fellowship, we have a few rebels in our flock. Now, I know that you don't have those issues here. But in our home church, we, we do. And so, I, you know, I'll just tell you about what some of our experiences are. I know it doesn't affect anybody here. But, you know, there are times, so we don't want this tape or this recording to go to tape. It shows you how dated I am. We don't, we don't want this recording to get back to Christian fellowship. But in our place, we, sometimes the shepherd has to take that rod and that staff. And, you know, people say, well, that rod was to was to, ward, was to ward off the wolves or the other animals. Well, oftentimes a shepherd would take that rob, rod and he would break the leg of a sheep that always kept running off. Or he would take the staff, so when the, when the sheep would get too close to a cliff where they would die, he would reach that, that eight-foot staff and he would put it around, crook around the sheep's neck and he would pull back on that sheep to save it from going over a cliff. Now, how many of you have sore necks here? <laughs> I, I do. My neck's always sore. I found the shepherd in his love for me grabs a hold of me and pulls me from things or, and puts me around people that bring good things in my life and they'll ask me good questions. Is, is that really necessary? Or why are you doing that? Or, and and it's, not, it's not to pound things into me. It's to express the love of God to me and, um, and then pastoring people and sitting with people for over 40 plus years, I, I just realized um, the, the shepherd loves you so much that he puts you in, in with, a, with a group of people that bring, um, now don't get scared with this word, a, a godly accountability with the grace of God envelops us. And he puts us in the body of people and he saves us from in, incredible disasters of how we will go. Jesus never takes a group in altogether. He he, he always saves us one by one. I love that he called my name. 
and he, he redeemed me personally, and then he puts me in a body of people. See, my salvation is personal, but it's not private. He puts me with people and strengthens me in that. In the final verses of John 10, which uh, in verses 16 to 18, which I didn't read, it gives us direction that the great shepherd speaks to us today. It says this, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I will bring them also, and, I will, and they will keep my voice. They'll hear my voice. And they shall be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down from my one accord my own accord, excuse me, I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up and, <clears throat> and charge it. I received from the Father. Now, Jesus was looking beyond the cross, beyond the tomb to us today. He wasn't just talking about those disciples or those groups of that people group then. He's looking for the gospel to go out to the nation. This is a prophecy that is, was fulfilled because we're sitting here today and gathering together. Multi-generations, all the nations, all people groups, all nationalities. One of the ways that God invaded our church uh, uh, four years ago, almost five years ago now, is God uh, brought refugees from different parts of the world, mainly from the African continent, and brought them into our church body where people, they, they were brought here by the government uh, the Catholic Church in Jefferson City, which is south of us, about 30 miles, calls our church office and says, hey, we understand you know how to love people. We'd like to send a, f- a couple of families who they, they ex- you use so much of the, the, the government's money, and then in, in three to six months, you're, you're then left on your own. And so it began to be one family, two families, 10 families, 56 families. Don't, didn't know any English, don't know anything about school, didn't know what a thermostat was on a wall, uh, nothing. And we prayed for the nations. And now when, you know, when I look out of the congregation, it looks, it looks like we're looking at the United Nations. I mean, it's just all kinds of pe- people groups. It's the fulfillment of the prophetic word that Jesus gave. It's one people. It, it's, it's not one people group. It's one people under that one Great shepherd, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You see, when you hear him in response to the worship that we heard this morning and your soul began to get, get filled, you heard the voice of the shepherd when, you, when we were singing. When, 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 we, get, when we began to give, we, you heard the voice of the shepherd or when you're speaking with someone and you, someone just says something and it gets into your heart, something happens at that moment. You're hearing the shepherd through the voice of other people. You're, you're hearing that. Now, when you hear an inner voice that's prompting you that says, hey, whatever you do, don't respond to that. Don't, don't do that. Don't, 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 don't spend more time in prayer. Don't, don't be more sacrificial. Don't, you know, don't get involved. In, don't don't uh, expose your life to, to others. That, that's not the voice of the Lord. That's the voice of the enemy of your soul. 
And we always have to be open to hear the voice of the Lord. I say, well, I, I personally have never heard an audible voice, personally. And some people do. Actually, some people hear too many of those. <laughs> but they, 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 they can hear things. Um, I was driving in, in Columbia. I was in a different part of town, not near where, where I live. And I was praying as I was driving, and I, and I prayed this prayer. Lord, do you want me to be more giving? What's the Lord going to say? No, stay stingy. <laughs> I no sooner get the words out of my mouth. This is exactly how it happens. A woman is in the street. She's about as far from here to the end of the building, and she's waving as I'm driving down, down the street. I slow down. She comes over to the uh, passenger window. I roll down the window. I said, are you okay? She says, yes. I need $10 to get some medication. Now, I'm, I'm not often... We have a large benevolent ministry in the life of the church, and I, I'm not one prone to just hand people money, though it, if God's speaking you to do that, it's wonderful. And, she, and so she's telling me about this medication, and, and, uh, and she looks at me and she says, do you know, and she names the person who's over our benevolent ministry in the church. I said, yes. She said are you one of the pastors of that church, Christian Fellowship? I said, yes, I am. She goes, you're my pastor. And you know what I did? I gave her the 10 bucks. I heard the voice of the Lord. Should I be more giving? Boom, within a matter of seconds, something happens. Those things, those things happen to us. God speaks to us, and um, he wants us to be able to respond to his voice. J.I. Packer um, is quoted in a book by Chip Ingram, and the book is entitled God as He Longs for You to See Him. It's a great book. God as He Longs for You to See Him by Chip Ingram. Um, J.R. Packer defines goodness as this. Generosity means a disposition to give to others in a way with no mercenary motive and is not limited by what the recipient deserves but constantly goes beyond it. In other words, God God never gives in order to get. He isn't giving to manipulate. He showers us with blessings that none of us deserves. That's different than what you could hear in certain circles where people are manipulating others to get things. God doesn't do that. If you are feeling manipulated, turn the channel. Don't listen to it. It doesn't honor the Lord. It's hard for us to believe that we can be the object of God's affection, that God would express it so in an overwhelming way, with generosity of love towards us. Why why would God do that for me? It's because of his goodness. You see, God's goodness to you is expressed in, in, there's a scripture in Zephaniah, chapter 3, verse 17, that God rejoices over you with singing. 
Let me tell you, God is not singing the blues when he sings over you. Okay. So think of God as a second tenor. And think of him singing over you in a non-biblical way. Sounds something like this. I don't love you anymore. Don't you know we're through? No, no, no. I don't love you anymore. Don't you know we're through? I got works on my mind. There's no grace for you. Oh, no. Now, God, God doesn't do that. He rejoices over you with singing because of his goodness. He, we didn't deserve it. He, just, he gave it to us. He said, I'll have you. He called you by name. You left that flock and you joined him. In this book, God, as he longs for you to see him, Chip Ingram talks about a friend of his named Glenn who was serving as a missionary in Sri Lanka. And during a vacation, a vacation Glenn took his family to an ocean resort for some rest and relaxation. And when Glenn was on the beach with his wife and two kids, a young man was out in the water and suddenly a wave came and a riptide began to pull this boy out and pull him under. There were no lifeguards and it was obvious that no one was going to intervene and the boy was going to drown. Glenn, this missionary, a strong farm boy, uh, was an excellent swimmer, and he literally just saw what was going on. He dove into the water, and he got pounded by the breakers, and he reached this struggling young man literally just in time. He dove below the boy. He grabbed the boy, and with this, just the timing of everything, he thrust the boy out. The boy caught a wave and literally brought him to the shore. Glenn's uh, tactic of grabbing him and saving the boy didn't do the same for him. He was caught in, in an undertow when he rescued the boy and he was slammed to the bottom and he couldn't move at all. He was going farther and farther out and pictures were flashing through his mind and all he could think of that was his wife and his children that he was going to, they were going to watch him drown And he says this, I didn't know how I would die, but I never thought it would be like this. He continued, I I, I literally gave up. I stopped fighting. I was too exhausted. There was nothing I could do. Death was close. The next breath I took would be all of water. And I was ready to pass out when, um, when I expected to be my last breath turned into a prayer And I prayed, oh, Jesus, save me. Literally, as if something grabbed and threw me, I popped to the surface and the wave swept me towards the shore, similar to as it did that boy. They got me to the beach and helped me cough up water out of my lungs. And when they turned me over, another missionary, Robin Cook, was there bending over me and I was shaking badly 
and someone threw towels around me. After it was all over, I turned to Robin, this other missionary, and I said, God is good, isn't he? Robin had a memorable answer. I'm, of course, quoting from the book. He put his hand on Glenn's shoulder, and he said, Glenn, God is good, but he'd be good if you had even died out there today. See, God isn't good because he does good things for us. God is good because of something in him, and he can be nothing else but good. See, God hears the cries of our distress and he delivers us and displays his greatness and God doesn't have to respond at all or every time or even the way we think he should respond. He longs for us to trust him regardless of the outcome of our circumstances and he causes us to turn to him when things don't go very well. And I, I've had to relearn this so many times in my walk with the Lord. Um, you can hear some circles that would, would tell you, if you do sing, if bad things happen to you, it's because you're not living right and God doesn't love you. And if you don't correct that, it's going to keep more and more bad things happening. As if, see, that's heaven. No, this is earth. And bad things happen to good people. We go through trouble. Jesus said, if they've done it to me, they're going to do it to you. He wasn't excusing us from that. Now, I don't believe that makes us passive, by the way, in in any way. I think it actually stirs us to to pray to the Lord all the more, but to think that it puts the weight of grace on us, and that is wrong. That's bad doctrine. God loves us because he loves us, not because we do everything right or even something's right. He loves us because he loves us. Now, let me me just throw out a little bit of a net here this morning. If there's some here today that you're just not assured of God's goodness to you through his son, Jesus. And for those of us that know him, Let it serve as a reminder of God's incredible grace to us. God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, we were hostile towards God. We rebelled. We were literally the enemies of God. He still loved us. John writes in Revelation, unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood. Revelation said in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And in Romans, it says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get better. He died for us knowing how bad we were. He will freely give us all things. And in Romans chapter 8, Peter, uh, he said he bore our sins. He bore our sins. We were separated from the Father and he bore our sins sins. Have you ever just tried to think of that just for a moment? He died and rescued us. 
people have these misconceptions about Christ and his death and resurrection for us. We were separated from God. Jesus paid the price so that we could have fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He gave his life that we not, may not be separated from him and live eternally with him. I wrestle with that reality. I, I just find it mind-boggling. See, the goodness of God requires a response. And I believe that response is for us to repent. Let's just take a minute and ask the Lord for that. Just let, can we do that right now? Let's just bow our heads. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that doesn't know you, The good news is that they're lost, but they can be found. The reality of the fact that they're here shows your sovereign plan that they would even hear these words or be with a friend or or invited in here. Or those that have been deaf to this and this morning, this very morning, you're calling them by name and you're saying, follow me. I pray that there would be the confession of sin, the saying yes to the sacrifice of the cross and the empty tomb, and say, Lord, I want to follow you. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that, would you let maybe someone that you came with know that? And I know this church would love to connect you with the things that will move you forward. I find my, for myself personally, I find my life gets infected with discontent and thanklessness. No matter what God does, if you're like me, we want more. We find ourselves concentrating more on the gifts than the giver. See, in the morning, I want to wake up just like we read in the Psalms. I want to wake up realizing goodness and mercy is chasing me down today. I want to recognize the fact that his kindness is is over me and his goodness is over me. And I want to live the day in that as opposed to, well, what's going to happen today? I want to have a thankfulness for the benefit of the cross in my life And I want to have that in my life in such a way that I see that in everything that is happening around me. In pastoring 40 plus years, there probably isn't a situation I haven't heard about. And in the the midst of those things, whether it's talking with one person or a family or here as we're gathering this morning, I believe in the goodness of God to redeem. See, and the Lord wants us to rest in that. The scripture really doesn't give us the pleasure to or allow the argument to ascribe evil to God. God is absolutely righteous. He's, he's love, he's goodness, he's justice. Good does not so much define God as God defines what's good. We cannot understand why God allows sickness and suffering, but 
we affirm that these are realities and they're rooted in the fall of this world. So what does God do when those things affect us? He puts us in a congregation like this where we weep at those who weep and we rejoice with those who rejoice. Life just stinks sometimes. And we've got to be there for one another because we recognize his goodness. Again, one of the goal of my life and my relationships is to see God's goodness and his sovereignty throughout a day, throughout what God is wanting to do, no matter what the news is. Uh, And I see God's hand in all of it. And that doesn't make me passive. I pray for the sick all the more to see them healed. I want to see people delivered. I want to see the captives set free. Why? That's a part of the goodness of God as well. It's the tragedy of a, of a lost child or, or a marriage that's gone bad or teens that are trying to find their way through life. Um, we, we lost our first child. We lost our first child, and I remember that was a defining moment in our life. Will I be bitter against the Lord or will I be conformed to the image of his son through, through that? This is not when we run from God. It's when we run to God. This is not when we run from the church. This is when we run to the church, the people of God. That's what I mean by the church, this local group of people. And we all, by the way, we all get a chance with stuff. Everybody's got stuff. Everybody's got stuff. And we all get a turn. But the Lord's with us in in that turn, and his goodness is there as well. Noel, would you come up, if you would, please? Let me just give you a couple of personal things of, with regard to the goodness of God. Some of you do know my wife, Audrey. <clears throat> we just celebrated last um, August, actually August 2nd, our 45th year of marriage, and, and she's still trying to change me. Um, I quit about 20 years ago changing her, but... One of our pastors was, had gotten ill and ended up going to the hospital and, and I was with him and when uh, he ended up having a heart cath and I was listening to this doctor talk with him and, and fortunately the heart cath was okay. It was one of our runners. <laughs> um, I'm not saying anything. Um, and I'm thinking, Audrey's got this his, family history of heart condition and so I'm listening to him I go you know my wife needs to hear these things so as a good husband I set up an appointment for her <laughs> it was not good but I did it anyway she goes in and has this heart cath a lot you know, from a family of 11 brothers and sisters eight of them have heart conditions so we go to the we go in there as the heart cath comes out and he says your heart is great your arteries are terrible. Had a quintuple bypass two days later. Now you're, you're there in the room, as I've been with many other people. The doctor says, okay, we just started the surgery. She's doing fine. Next phone call, okay, we stopped her heart. She's doing fine, which I didn't think those words went together. Third call, well, we're finishing up. 
got everything, got the veins where they need to be. And then he says, I'll be out in five minutes. Now, during that time, where's the goodness? You, you don't know the outcome. You don't know those things. A year ago, last month, I'm sitting with a nephew of mine who lives in Fort Lauderdale. And this nephew had been addicted to drugs for many years. Actually came and lived with us for 18 months, which is a very difficult thing to do in your own home, in a home. He left our home, had his ups and downs. And last year, he told me of a story when after he left us, after being with us for 18 months, this was several years, like in 2000, 2002, they went back to Florida, and he just went through struggles. He then told me last year, he said, in 2005, I came to the end. He said, I drove to a, a shell station between Fort Lauderdale and Miami, and I, I had enough heroin in a syringe to kill five people. He said... I'm going to take my life, he said. I was going to take my life. He put that in his arm, puts down the plunger, nothing happens. The needle cloth takes out another needle, puts it in there, pushes it again, the needle clogs. Never happened to him before. He said, I, I <clears throat> got, out of the, got out of the car, and I sat on the hood of my car, and this is at a dead-end road near an interstate. And a young lady walks up to him and she says, do you mind if I give you something to read? He said, no. He didn't care. She gives him a pamphlet and he put it under, the, under his leg as he was sitting on the fender of the car. She walked away, went up the road, and um, he got up to go in to get a soda and this thing drops out. He picks it up and this is what that, this is what said on an eight and a half sheet, of, like a half sheet like this. He had it folded, and when he, when he opened it up, it said this. Has your syringe clogged lately? He's, he's crying as he's telling me this. Of course, I'm, I'm bawling the whole time. He said, Uncle Dan did God just send me a text message? <laughs> you see, God loves us with an everlasting love. He, does my nephew still struggle with things? Yes, he struggles, but things are better. The goodness of God. And I'm not here to debate there's many thoughts on suicide and the mental issues of that. And I, I just want to bring in this aspect. The goodness of God is real. We go, we, we, we find ourselves pained and we find ourselves with trouble that we don't understand. Goodness and mercy follows you this morning. It chases you down. 
all the days of your life because he's a good shepherd. He's not a bad shepherd. He's committed to you. Let's stand. I'd like to just ask if um, you don't have to bow your head. But if, if you're battling with the goodness of God, you're, you're going through a difficult time. I believe there's help for you this morning in prayer. That's why the, the church is here, because we are here to help. It, it, it's, hard for, it's, hard, it's hard for you to see goodness, or it's something that is, um, you're, you're just struggling with. And you'd say, I'd, I'd like to receive prayer so I would see God's goodness over my life. Would you step out from where you are and just stand here? Thank you. Someone else. You need to you need to see the kindness of the Lord more. I find myself I get. I get skewed in my thinking. I, I don't, it doesn't, it, it's hard for me to catch it sometimes. I've been doing this many, many years. See, if I wasn't preaching this, I'd be responding to this because I know it's so true. It's so real. The goodness and the mercy of the Lord. I, I felt the word this morning I was praying about this and you may want to respond to this as well and so I just leave this with with you if you'd like to respond to this that your circumstances that you're in right now are not what defines you the cross is what defines you not your pain when my <clears throat> when my uh, kids came up to see my wife when she was recovering. One of my grandkids, he was 12 years old then, he came up and spent some time in the room and he leans over to his grandma and he says, Grandma, glad you didn't die. Now, I said the same thing. But, if it would have been different, God is still good. People that go through the sufferings of a business loss or changes or things with their kids. Anyone else to receive prayer? Heads up, eyes open, everybody looking around. Anyone else to receive prayer? Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm asked to, I'm going to join people to pray here, but. Would the prayer team just get behind people and begin to pray? Noel's going to just lead a song and then we'll um, we'll pray and then we'll be dismissed here in a few minutes. I'd like to have somebody with everybody here, please, if you would. There's people over here, folks here. Someone help this young man right here. Need someone else here.
thousand reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like this. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet each other with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Lord, we want to be people that recognize your goodness. I pray for fullness, Lord. I pray that this church would recognize the goodness of God. We've seen it through their history. We've seen it through lives. We've seen it through the disappointments, and we've seen it through the joy. And I would ask, Lord, that In the days ahead, goodness and mercy keeps chasing down this church. And may people, Lord, give themselves wholeheartedly to the vision that is before them. Lord, um, so in, in the midst of that which comes with great joy and that which comes with challenge, may you, when our heads are down, may you, as if a parent putting their, their hand on a chin of a crying child and lift the chin up. May we look into your eyes. And would you help us to do that even when it's difficult and it's sad? 
we rejoice in who you are. And we want to be, uh, we pray this church would be a church of reconciliation. And I'm grateful to and privileged to be a part of this meeting here today. Bless us as we go. May we see the mercy and the grace of God over all that we do and say. Uh, bless uh, Bart, and the elders, the, the ministering staff over this place. Lord, and for those that are visiting here this morning, uh, would you have them return again and, and uh, hear from a shepherd that really loves these sheep. And I thank you for your goodness and mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.